So we're going to uh, wrap up this episode on uh, self-leadership. So um, a common thing that we're going to start doing in our episodes when we have a recurring guest or a guest on is to finish up an episode to ask them one question. And it's a question that Zach and I answered in our first episode, and that is, Megan, mm -hmm. what do the words generate your value mean to you? I'd say generate your value means to me, um, how are you touching people's lives in a way that you're like, you're doing it on purpose. You know, it's not just by accident, but how are you intentionally creating some sort of value in someone's life? So whether it's to, you know, somebody dropped their purse and all their stuff fell out and you bend down and pick it up. You generated value in that person's life just by helping them or to the biggest extent of, you know, training them to become successful people, you know, but are you intentionally digging into, you know, creating value in every sense? Thank you for that. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I am your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm your other co-host, Zach Levy. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell. And I'm your co-host, Zach Levy. Thank you for spending your time with us today. We know your time is very, very valuable, and we hope to add a ton of value to that time with our topic today. Yes, yeah, so we have a, an important topic today that continues to build upon um, some foundational elements uh, in generating uh, your value to the world and in your relationships and in your business. Uh, we're going to be doing um, an important topic of self-leadership today, and we're going to be doing this a little bit differently in that we're bringing a third person into the uh, conversation. So, Zach, if you'd love to introduce our guest. Definitely. Speaking of relationships, as we mentioned prior, we are finally having my wonderful wife, Megan, join us. Um, she's also my business partner, helps in our growth and our team leadership as well. Um, so... Hun, welcome to the podcast, and just so the audience knows, I mean, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your background, your story, and how we got here? Of course. Um, so like they said, I'm Megan Levy, Zach's wife. Um, so my background, I grew up as an athlete my whole life, um, playing sports all as a kid through my childhood, and then 
um, really latched on to golf as my main thing through high school, played through college and came out thinking I would play professionally. And I kind of had this moment of realization where I was purposed on this earth to help people not to do something for myself. So I got out of the playing side of things and got into coaching and instruction, um, to help people with what I knew. Cause at that point golf was all I knew and I knew I needed to help people. So I did that for about three or four years. And, um, while during that time is when Zach and I met and, uh, I got to know more about his financial business and what, you know, what he does, why he does it. And, you know, I grew to love it myself to the point where, you know, I was asking to be able to quit my job and join him full time. Um, I see this as an opportunity to help people in a much bigger way than teaching people how to swing a golf club. You know, while that's important and makes someone's life better, I feel like what we do for families is so much more impactful on a much bigger level. Awesome. So you'd say you were called more to generate than extract value. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no no doubt. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of like that part in the movie where they actually say the title in the movie. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah. And um, so just to kind of extrapolate out of that, what was your, I mean, what we've been talking about last episode, what was your starting with, what was your why of wanting to come on? I think my original why was, um, to kind of going back to that point of helping people, but helping people on a much grander level. My heart's always been called to that. So my why is for, you know, being able to make a massive impact on people's lives. And then my why developed through our relationship, um, growing stronger and into our marriage and <clears throat> realizing that, you know, joining Zach in this business allows us to create something together. And it allows us to create the life that we want for our family and our future generations as well. Um, we have a huge why of being parents to our kids, not working their whole lives, but being able to be their sports coaches, being able to be at, you know, school plays and every single function, not having to miss a thing because of that thing called work. So <clears throat> I think that's the bigger, deeper why is the, the family bond. Beautiful. And to go into from that, I mean, kind of review last week, Andy, um, just the why, how, what structure. And yeah, I mean, so you know, that's we, our driving force. Right. So before we get into uh, the details or discussion of self-leadership, let's um, sort of do a little bit of review from the last episode. So last episode, we talked about Simon Sinek's um, golden rule. Um model of uh, why, how, what. Uh, by a why, we mean what is your mission and purpose uh, in your life? If you're a Christian, why were you created by God? Um, kind of philosophy, how is your is the culture, the values of a person or an organization, um, how are decisions made and so forth? And then the what is more the tactics, if you will, of an organization or a person's life. What activities are you in? What processes are you following to execute on your strategy, whether it's your life strategy or a business strategy? Um, 
from that standpoint. So for the purpose of our discussion of self-leadership today, we're going to assume that a person or an individual has already sat down with their piece of paper, taken those three words and done the exercise and thinking about and doing some introspection about what their why, how, what is and that they want to live their life, live it out loud, so to speak, with this right. model, right? The, everything I do, every decision I'm making about is going to serve my why, how, what. That's what uh, he or she wants. They may not right. feel like they're at that point yet, but that's what they want or think about themselves. And that's the premise for the whole rest of our discussion in this episode uh, is that the person's already sat down, done that in- introspection, and is now ready to lead themselves to that spot, right? So we had we had right. a we had a discussion about leadership and management in the last episode, right? Management is those activities where you're looking at processes, you're managing, making sure that execution on the processes is happening. You're doing reviews on um, HR reviews on your employees because that's a process to look at their goals, establish goals for themselves. Um, how well did they do at the end of the year? That is a process. To do that process is management. Leadership is about influence, vision, and how do I move, whether it be an individual or a company, from a point A to point B with the notion that point B is a better spot? Right. Right? For the company, for the marketplace, or for an individual's life. Mm-hmm. So if a person's going to move from wherever they're sitting in their life, uh, no matter how good or bad it is, they want to move to a different spot where they're living out their why, how, what, that requires self-leadership. How are you right. going to influence yourself? How, how are you going to ha- paint a vision for what that looks like for yourself? How are you going to direct yourself to move from where you are today at point A to that point B where you are living out your why, how, what in every aspect of your life? And that's what the topic is for today. Right. And for our audience, I can't tell you how valuable, before we even dig in, how valuable that exercise is. Right. Because as we move on and go on this journey together and we step into self-leadership and then bigger leadership, like Andy said, we first have to lead ourselves. But in order to to get to a destination, we first have to know where we are. Right. Absolutely. So that is that introspection. That's that why, how, what exercise to figure out exactly where we are and then figure out where we want to go. Right. I actually heard on um, different podcasts, I listened to a very similar discussion mm-hmm. about, you know, you ask somebody, how do you get to Missouri? Depending on what part of the world they're in, they're going to tell you a completely different answer. Absolutely. Right? So what will apply for Joe might not apply for Jim. Right. It's got to be individual to the to the one wanting to move. Yeah. It, to your point, where the person is at the moment is their path. There may be somebody who has to do a radical transformation in their life to get to where they want to be. 
And there are others that, you know, this half of their life, whether it might be their personal life or their business life or whatever, is in great shape, mm-hmm. exactly where they want to be. But the other part is where it needs to move. And so the path they're going to take and the work that they're going to do is going to be different than somebody that needs a totally radical transformation of their life to live out the, the why, how, what that they want for themselves. Right. So Absolutely. Great point. And on that, once that's done, we've now got to do, I think, even more introspection and figure out what exactly we're telling ourselves, what recording is in our head about ourselves and about our position in life. Yeah, right? if you, you could do all the work that you want in terms of trying to figure out your why, how, what. Uh, and, and want to have the desire to get yourself to that point B which we're going to reference is living out your why, how, what is the point B. But if you've got tapes in your head or messaging that you are telling yourself, right? And so when you, when you sit down and do the why, how, what, what uh, one of the things I talk about with clients is, do you have a natural ability to close your eyes and imagine yourself being outside of your body looking at you as an individual, both physically, emotionally, spiritually, and do an assessment of where you're at. Right. As well as what tapes or messaging are you telling yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you telling yourself you're a failure? Are you telling yourself that you're not worthy? Are you telling yourself that it's always somebody else's problem? Right. I'm this way because it's somebody else. Somebody else's doings to me. In other words, all those phrases is what right. we identify with a victim mentality. Right. Or, or a victim mindset. My circumstance doesn't allow me to succeed. Right. right. The thing is, and this was a self-realization I also went through. Again, we've invited you on here. We're not, you know, saying we're better than anybody. We're speaking through our own experiences, mm-hmm. through our own growth, and invited you to join us on this journey. Because through this, Andy and I are both growing as well. Um, always growing. Always growing, always learning. And I've always been one that I've always learned more by teaching others the same thing, right? Oh, the greatest way to, to, to learn is to teach a subject to somebody right. else. So, you know, it's it's the way you view it. You're either, there's not, I don't really see it as a gray area. You're either in a victim mindset saying that this is, my boss's fault, or this is this person's fault, or this is my employee's fault. Or it's my parents' or, fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, a huge big thing. one. It's parents' yeah. fault, right? But the thing is, you can't control the uncontrollables. And outside forces are going to be uncontrollables. The only thing we can control and change is ourselves. And that's got to be that transfer to a growth mindset. You've got to stop focusing on the outside sources and focus on yourself. And once you change, those outside circumstances seem to change as well. Yeah. And Zach, to that point, I think also uh, what we can do with those outside sources is filter those. Because there mm-hmm. can be a lot of great outside sources, a lot of great positive people trying to fill your head. And it's your decision. Do I want to let the the positive outside forces fill my head and help me grow? Or am I going to fill my head with the negative outside sources that say I can't be anybody? And then I'm stuck in my position. I'm stuck with where I am in life right now. Well, 
I think a major issue, particularly with young people, young adults coming out of college or mm-hmm. coming out of high school and in the 20s, is to say, you are the owner, you are the CEO of your life. Yes, your parents brought you in into this world and they did their best job that they could as human beings to provide you a childhood and an upbringing that's going to set you up for success in your life. That would be the hope for every parent. Some are more successful than others in making that happen. But the reality is when you become an adult, you become the CEO of your life and Mm -hmm. you are in charge of your life. If you don't realize that, I'm telling you now, and I'm inviting you to take that mindset about your life that you are in charge, you are the CEO, and to be successful in life, you've got to start looking at the self-leadership as your responsibility and nobody else's. And on that note, I don't think, Andy, we could have picked a better topic to bring Megan on for. Honestly, I mean, um, just knowing the depth of her story myself through college athletics and everything, most people, I mean, babe, I'll let you expand on this, but um, just everything you overcame through college athletics, everything that you could have blamed and quit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, He brings up a great point. Um, I've been fortunate to be I think blessed by God to always have given me this, you know, inner state of independence and, um, and not letting anything stop me, but just deciding this is what I want to do. And so, yeah, through, through college athletics, um, I had a couple of hip surgeries, which is not ideal for a golfer, if you can imagine. (laughs) And, um, I had to transfer, I didn't have to transfer, but I chose to transfer from one college to the next midway through my sophomore year. Um, So there's a lot of factors that could have, you know, that could have brought me back that transferring my coaches bringing up to me about switching schools to give me a better opportunity to play. I could have taken that in a negative way that said, oh, they don't believe in me. But I took it as the positive that they were sending me was, hey, this, this there could be a better opportunity for you to play more out there and to become, you know, the player that you're meant to be. And so I took the positive there. And then my first hip surgery happened during my junior year of um, midway through my junior year of, of school and um, had to sit out through the whole spring season, which is our main season. And again, I could have shut down, taken the negative and just said, oh, well, this, you know, this just isn't going to work out for me. I'm done. But I went into the training room every single day of the week and worked my butt off to get through the physical therapy rehab process and get my strength and mobility back. And I did that and I was able to start playing in tournaments again come, you know, six, eight months later. Um, and then through that, unfortunately, my mind took it a little too far and I'm very open and honest about this. I kind of developed a, a bit of a eating exercise disorder through that. Just my mind took things to a, another level, uh, and a very extreme level. And I got told that <laughs> you got to get healthy or else, you know, your, uh, your, your time's done playing. And so again, I was like, all right, let's do what we got to do to get it done. 
So quite the opposite of spending every day in the training room. I spend every day at home eating. So, so but you got to do what you got to do, you know? And so I was able to overcome that and didn't miss a beat. Just did that through the winter off season and, um, came back in the spring, right back on track and had one of my best seasons ever. And, uh, to finish out, you know, my senior year. Um, and then shortly after when I was looking to play professionally, I had another hip surgery I had to have. And, um, you know, obviously my playing career just didn't end for that reason, but ended for my, you know, my purposeful reason. But again, I took, I, I always chose to, to pick the positives out of any situation. And that's something I've always lived my life by. I've always lived my life by everything happens for a reason. So, you know, there's, there's a purpose through it all. And it's, you know, made me who I am today. Well, and not to get mushy gushy on y'all, but I mean, that was one of the major things that attracted me to Megan was that mindset. It was apparent. You can always tell somebody what kind of mindset you have when you start talking to them. It was that growth mindset because somebody with a growth mindset is going to say, ouch, that punch to the face hurt, but I just got tougher because of it. Right? They're yeah, gonna- well, it's a, it's a mindset where somebody's not afraid to fall off, fall up, quote, fall off their right. horse. Right. Dust themselves off and go, okay, I don't see that as a failure. I see that as a learning experience. Right. Did it go the way I wanted it to? No. But I'm going to see that as an opportunity to learn, mm-hmm. dust myself off, get myself back up on the horse per se, and give it another go. Right. Well, Using the experience and the lesson that I learned from it yes. and try it slightly different with the hope of a better outcome and moving me down the path that I wanted for my life. Well, and I mean, we all know this to be true. Life's going to push you around. Life's going to hit you in the face. Life's not fair. No. no. And the biggest thing is the, the winners, not saying people who don't are bad people, but the true winners see they let life push them around and learn from it and are thankful for it. It's a growth mindset that, okay, now I'm better because of that. Whereas the victim mentality, which is the exact opposite, again, they contrast each other 100%. The victim mentality says, oh, I'm getting pushed around. I'm just not meant to be great. And you cannot tell yourself that to lead yourself in the right direction. Yeah, so the the visual I use for myself, and, and I'm going to bring this up a little bit later uh, in, the, uh, in today's episode, is being in the middle of the ocean and the water and the ocean is the world. If I have a victim mindset that I'm in a rubber dinghy of some size, I'm alive, I'm participating in life, but the ocean is pushing me around. Mm-hmm. I'm, at, I'm at the, the will or the whim, so to speak, of the ocean. And I'm just floating around, whatever the world wants to do with me, just sort of push me in this direction or that direction and I have to live whatever the world brings me or pushes me versus if you have a growth mindset, I'm in the middle of the ocean, but now I have a speedboat mm-hmm. or even a tugboat. I don't care. Some kind of boat that has an engine that can, or even a sail that I can direct and move myself mm-hmm. to some other spot in the ocean or even a port. Right. <laughs> Or my destination in right. life. And yeah, I might encounter some bad weather and some bad waves and I have to slow down and so forth. But I have direction in my life and I'm moving towards my goal of where 
I want to be. And that's the analogy I've used for myself between a victim mindset and a growth mindset. Yeah. And Andy, I want to bring up one other thing. Um, I have a, a ladies group that I'm a part of that has spent a good amount of time digging into uh, a life word and kind of through that introspective experience, I came up with the word become because it's a very upward moving word. It's no matter what you're doing with your life, what different pieces of your life are you trying to become something through that somebody through that. Um, and I, I've seen that through my whole life. Like, as a five-year-old, I wanted to become the best t-ball player on the field. And now, you know, in our adult life, I want to become the best partner to my husband. I want to become the best mom when kids become into the, into the picture. But if I'm always striving towards becoming, then I'm always looking up. I'm always reaching up. There's never anything behind me or below me. Okay, well, let me throw another word at you. That, yeah. uh, is that is that a word that your group comes up with for a particular year or just uh, This was specific, specifically to be kind of like a full encompassing life, not just for a year, but a life word. And we talked about how potentially that could change as life changes, as life evolves. But okay, right now, it, what would you describe as your life word? Did anybody in your group come up with the word intention? Not specifically that word, but close Okay, because that's one of my favorite uh-huh. words in the English dictionary right. and one that I use. Uh, you can go back and look at my descriptors for this podcast. And right. I use the word intention. I use it all the time because intention means uh, I'm conscious about it. I'm in the moment. I, I have a desired goal in mind and I'm going to begin to pursue this activity or this decision with the desire to get to this point. I may not be successful in that, but my intention, right. my intention is to have a great relationship with a spouse. My intention is to be a great leader to my team in a business or to run my business well that treats my people well that we're going to be successful in. That's my intention. That's my mindset. That's where I am in my heart and in my mind to want to go to and be, right? And so it's a, it's a nice um, complimentary word to your become right. is intention. Right. Well, you, to your become, intention you have to be intentional. Is to become this, <laughs> exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to be have intentional. To be, you have to mm-hmm. be intentional and have the intention to become these things. Right. And it's a, it's a starting point in helping to move somebody out of the victim mindset and into a growth mindset is to say, okay, my intention now is not to let the world push me around, but to start having a growth mindset, to start having the um, thoughts in my head that I'm worthy of a joyful and happy life, regardless of where I'm sitting in life at the moment. Right. And I'm going to be intentional about setting a direction to move me there. Yep. Intention's the the fuel to your speedboat, right, Andy? Exactly. Exactly. Um, Good point. I'm going to use that. (laughs) Glad I can help. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Moving on to the next topic. Self-leadership. Another common 
item out in the world when we start talking about the word leader is that that is a title that comes because you got hired or put into some position that has some authority or accountability in it. And now all of a sudden you're a leader, right? So if I'm on the front lines of a hospital or I'm the cashier at a, at a McDonald's or whatever, and I don't have the, the accountability or the authority in my position, I am therefore not a leader. Mm-hmm. And I would like to set in people's minds the idea that every single human being is a leader. At the very least, you are a leader of your life. And when we talked about the, the number one job of a leader is to build other leaders, you can build a leader as somebody who is a self-leader of their own life, and that's all you do with them. Right. That's all you do with them is to get them through this process we've just talked about in the last 15, 20 minutes, to get them to see that mindset, to let them be introspective on their why, how, what, and teach them self-leadership so they can move to wherever they are, even though they're not a vice president, they're not a CEO, they're not a mayor of a town or whatever that you might associate the word leader with. They are at the very least going to be a self-leader of their own life. Makes sense? Makes perfect sense. So on that, I mean, a great quote that goes with that, I mean, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Right, it goes back to your right. analogy of you're in the ocean. Are you in a rubber dinghy, or or are you in a speedboat? Are you in something that can navigate the waves and point you in the direction you want to go? And you make that decision. Right? right. So if you don't have creativity in your life, which is a fallacy, and we're going to get into that in the next episode. Um, if you're concerned, if you have fear and anxiety in your life about what the future holds. The way that you can reduce that is to start having a growth mindset, do your why, how, what exercise, and go out and start creating your future. Yep. And move towards it with intention. Intention and using Mm -hmm. self-leadership, right? So you might have a vision in your head, and you may eventually, you know, if you look backwards, uh, you know, 10, 20 years after you've gone through this exercise, you may not have landed in the same spot the exact spot you thought you were going to be but i can guarantee you're going to be closer to that than if you're sitting in your rubber dinghy and just letting the world mm-hmm. now, now now you're now you're relying on luck right right you're relying on i'm going to go buy the lottery ticket and cross my fingers right right, <laughs> right. kind of mentality and it's not to say that it doesn't uh, work for a very small, minute people in the world, but the reality is the best way to predict the future is to go create it. And I actually had that sign on my wall in my office for not only me to see every day, but every employee of mine, a direct reporter or whatever, that came in my office. And we would of, often talk about that in our um, one-on-ones and development right. and so forth is to say, what kind of future do you want here at this company? What kind of future do you want in your life and so forth? How are you going to create that for yourself? Because you stand a better chance and less risk uh, of getting to that point if you can start 
doing self-leadership and start creating the future that you want. But you got to know what that destination is first before you can go create it. Right. And that's what doing the why, how, what exercise does for you. And Andy, the, what I've kind of seen through studying successful people is they didn't luck into their success. No, (laughs) no, they did not at all. They started, you know, by building their business in their garage with one of their buddies or with just this idea in their head, but they knew to Andy's point, they knew their destination. They talked about their destination before anything even got off the ground. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, through, through our business, our founder of our company, he had this idea that he started by himself to be different from the rest of the industry. And he told his early people with him, Hey, I don't know if we're going to make it, but this is where we're going. And we're going to work as hard as we can until we can't anymore. Right. Well, until the, until the marketplace in life proves that that's not that's possible, not possible. Or, right. it comes right. at, or it comes at too much of a sacrifice right. to people. It's not right. affordable. Um, it doesn't cover enough risk. Um, you know, so a multitude of things that the marketplace in life might teach you that you, you, you're not going to be able to get to that point. So then you got to be flexible enough to move the point right. or right. say, stop, we're not going any further. It's not possible. Let's, let's look at something well, else that may be completely different. And a big part of that is what holds a lot of people back is a fear to even move. They know where they want to be, right? But this big word of fear, which I know we'll probably do a entire talk on that but because we need to we will (laughs) we will um but this thing of fear people say yeah i want to be there they have a why but our society we have to get rid of this fallacy that failing is a bad thing right self-leadership you should rejoice in failing because then you get to learn more lessons well, it goes right. back to that mindset yeah. that right. we were talking about, right? If if you think that a failure is, you take it personally, I, I wasn't able to accomplish this, so I must not be good at it. Right. And you just stop. Right. You're never going to get to anywhere that you want in life with that right. kind of mindset. You know, I picked up the guitar three years ago. And I said, I'm going to spend at least 10 minutes a day working on it. Did I fail? I fail, <laughs> I fail every day with it. Right. I, right. You know, I'm no, I'm no Santana. Uh, you know, I'm no Eddie Van Halen with a guitar, uh, but I have a growth mindset and I keep right. working at it. I've thrown myself into situations where I'm actually performing with a band with it. Yeah. Am I making mistakes? Absolutely. I, I expect that, but I see that as uh, uh, lessons and opportunities and keep working hard. Like you said, work right. hard, work hard, work hard, and eventually I'll get to my goals. Well, just the, the analogies I always love because it's where... You know, my original passion was, and, you know, it's still a big part of our life, is fitness. Is You know, it was bodybuilding, right? The first time I walked into the gym at 16 years old, you know, I could have tried to move 400 pounds, but it wouldn't have happened, right? But if I tried to move it and said, oh, well, I can't move that much weight. I'm never going to be good at lifting weights. I'm never going to be that strong. I would have never gotten anywhere. It's the same thing. It's when you try something that failure is a lesson and it, it's like when you are lifting weights, it breaks down that muscle fiber. And when that muscle fiber rebuilds, it goes, I need to prepare for that again. Mm-hmm. Right. And it rebuilds stronger. 
And then the whole process of building muscle through weightlifting is more reps or heavier weight to bust that muscle fiber up again more. It's going, what are you doing? I've got to rebuild stronger. It's a, it's literal growth. That's what the growth mindset's all about is attempting, failing, growing from it and doing it better the next time around. Right. Right. right? And continuing to be persistent towards the destination we want to be in to lead yourself from point A to point B. Well, and I'll just make this statement now. We'll get into this in the whole uh, planet episode on fear versus love. Um, but the whole thing with fear is getting comfortable with fear. Mm-hmm. Fear of rejection, fear of comparison, fear of physical safety, yada, yada, yada. Is the more you put yourself in an environment where that may come up and you're able to walk through it, or at least understand it and be comfortable. You can almost picture literally you embracing fear and say, okay, fear showed up. Here it is. Take a deep breath. I'm going to live with this for a minute. I have confidence in myself. I can get through it because I've tried this before. I've been in situations that brought fear up in my life and I sat with it and I came out the other side. Yeah, maybe I wasn't in quite the spot that I wanted to be, but I'm still alive and kicking here on this earth, and I'm okay with it. It doesn't scare me as much because I was willing to be introspective about it, be present in it, recognized it when it showed up, and took a deep breath and said, I've been here before and I got through it. So, right. yeah, let's use courage to to work through the issues it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to make fear some, you know, sleeping on the bed, comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. it's an easy thing. It's not. But you have much more confidence in yourself to move through it. Right. And right? Andy, we talked to a lot of our trainees about fear um, because there's a lot of small fears in our lives. There's, you know, fear of somebody telling us no, fear of being rejected. Mm-hmm. Um fear of somebody, you know, backing out on their word, whatever that may be. Not pretty and enough. No, right. Exactly. There's plenty of those little fears that could, that could, we come, could come across, but we talk about replacing those little fears with a much bigger fear, that mm-hmm. bigger fear of not accomplishing your great goal, not becoming the business owner that you want to be, not being able to provide for your family. So we tell them, hey, that phone call that you need to make may be scary. It may freak you out a little bit, but make that phone call because that's going to take you one step closer to accomplishing that bigger goal, that bigger fear. Absolutely. Because it, and, and they've got to realize your why is bigger than just you. It has to be, right? If you're, yeah. if you're building an organization, if you let that fear take over and you give up, whose life have you let down in the future. Yeah. Right. And just moving forward, I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be inner work first. Right. Before. That's the point I wanted to right. move to next. Right. Um, cause I, I don't want to go too deep into fear cause we got a we, whole we episode, a whole episode that we're going to yeah. be talking about those things. We need to touch on it a little bit. Running but, down the rabbit hole too much. Right. Sorry. Um, no, it's good. It's, it's great conversation. Um, I want to talk about the aspect of if you haven't done your inner work, if you haven't established your why, how, what, and have started self-leadership, 
and move yourself to where you want to be. Big part of leadership, if you're going to be leading other people, is that you are modeling the behavior that you want from your uh, employees or direct reports uh, or even people in your life. If you're talking about like right. a family situation, if you're a parent, um, it, to have proper influence and effectiveness in getting your people to where you want to be if you're in your business or for your kids to be the, the type adults that you want them to be in the world and so forth. You have to be a leader and a role model. But if you have not done this self-work, if you've not done your why, how, what, healed the areas of your life where you've had pain or trauma or anything else that doesn't allow you to live out your why, how, what, then you will not be an effective leader in this world if that's what you want for yourself. Maybe you don't want to be a parent. Maybe you don't want to be a vice president. Maybe that's fine. I'm not saying you have to be. But if you're going to step and put yourself in that role and be affecting other people's lives, if you have not done that self-work and gotten yourself to where you need to be, that you can be uh, actionable, and not projecting your own stuff, as I say, projecting your own stuff mm-hmm. onto other people. Uh, you'll never be an effective leader unless you've done right. that inner work first to say, I want to be a leader of other people. Uh, I'm going to go see a therapist if I need to, or I'm going to talk to friends or whatever it need you need to do to heal those spots in your life and do your why, how, what exercise and start working with a growth mindset to get yourself there then there's part of me that wants to say, please don't go into leadership. Please don't go start affecting people in a negative way because you haven't done that work. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're you're not going to be an effective leader unless you've sat down and done that inner work first. Right. And I think I think the whole analogy of the speedboat works very well throughout this. I get, my mind keeps going back to that because Good. if you <laughs> To lead others, right? If you're the engine for your organization, that is what the leader is. They get an organization, again, from point A to point B. Right. That's what the engine of a speedboat, of a car, whatever, a vehicle to get you from point A to point B, that's the engine, right? If there are inner components of that engine that are not functioning properly, that engine will break down and that vehicle, that organization, will sputter out in the middle of the route. Right? Sure. Or, um, you know, heaven forbid, catch fire and cause a ton of collateral damage. <laughs> it right? happens. It does. It happens. We, we've seen it happen. You study the marketplace. You study companies that have imploded and you look at why it's the, there was something wrong with the engine in the first place. Right. Right. So, and that, that's really why Andy's driving that point home is if you want to be an effective leader, an effective engine, make sure... All the parts are in order. All, you know, well-oiled machine before you start leading others in that direction. Then we've got to lead from the front, right? Yeah. I mean, you take parenting examples, right? You say, oh, kids don't drink, but you're drunk every single night. The kid's not going to listen to what you say. They're going to do what you do. Right, because you haven't done the inner work to rid alcohol out of your life and and lead from a spot that's loving and... Helpful to your kids and set them up for success 
uh, for them to understand their own why, how, what, because their why, how, what's can be different than yours as a parent. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we think they came from the same body as uh, my husband or wife and myself. The reality is they're coming into this world with a whole different why, how, what than yours. And how much are you encouraging them in their teenagehood and young adulthood to go figure that out for themselves? Right. And just um, like you did with Boeing, right? I mean, that if you look at your new employees as newborn children, essentially, right? They yes. come into your business world with a potentially different why, how, what than what you have. Well, it goes back to the main point of the last episode where I say all this stuff is transferable. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether it's the why, how, what or leadership or, or anything of that nature. You can talk about being a parent. You can be talk about being a spouse. You can talk about being um, an employee in a company or a leader in a company and so forth. All these structures, so to speak, that we're talking about apply in every aspect of your life. These are these are life skills, right? Right to lead yourself to a, to a life of joy and um, happiness um, in the world, right? And then when it you know comes to that, you know, Andy, to move on to you know how does program management apply in all this? How does it apply to? To life, to leadership. Yeah. So one of my goals in this episode is to present, because um, I, I don't know that everybody gets, if you're in the manufacturing world, you probably get a lot of exposure to this um, concept in business. But it is the concept that I used in my own life after I sat down and did my why, how, what exercise and built my life plan is how do I start scanning and looking across my whole life, right? So... So life is complex. Uh, we all fill different roles in life. Um, it, we have a family family side of life. We have a, a individual side of life. We have a business side of life and so forth. How do I look at this big picture when we start talking about the how and what to get ourselves right there? And uh, in the manufacturing world, the concept of program management is a great structure. So what do we mean by program management? And so I'm going to go go back to my world of, of Boeing as an example, right? So Boeing wants to make an airplane and sit down with their um, customers and the customer says, I need an airplane that with great fuel efficiency can get me uh, 2,000 miles. I need to be able to carry 150 passengers, uh, you know, and they come up with these list of technical requirements, of what would be a favorable airplane that they would be willing to purchase. And so as Boeing, we had to go back and establish a program because the airplane is a very complex object. It's got miles and miles of wires, miles and miles of technology, so to speak. Aerodynamics come into play, materials come into play, and so forth to be able to meet those requirements that the customer's asking for. And then you have to turn around, you have to sell it, you have to build it. Um, you have to go find suppliers to supply some of the parts for the pieces, uh, thousands of pieces in it. And so in the Boeing world, they establish a program. So the 737 is a program headed by a senior executive uh, in the company whose sole responsibility is uh, the success of the 737. And so... 
if you're sitting in that role, you're now going, how the heck am I going to get this done? And the way you do that is that you build a program around it and you start building project teams that have to do parts and pieces of it. So you might have a, a, um, a planning team. You might have a design team. You've got an assembly and manufacturing team. You've got an advertising team. You've got a um, project manager team that's managing all these little projects that you have to do to actually make an airplane come together, be flyable. You've got a flight test team, right? You've got a training team. Yeah, I just sold this airplane to an airline. you got to go train their pilots on the best way to fly the airplane, right? So you've got all these sort of tubes, if you will, or columns of teams that all have to work together and bring their deliverables to the bigger team to actually make an airplane, sell it, maintain it, everything in the marketplace. So you can take that model and now start translating it to a life. A life is complex, right? So uh, I'm going to th throw it over to you guys. What do you think might be some columns or project teams, if you will, that you would need in your life to achieve your why, how, what? What, what ideas might you guys have? Well, I mean, different areas of development. I'm, I mean, for a lot of people, unfortunately, learning kind of stops after school. Right, development mm -hmm. kind of stops after school, but constantly developing, but in those different project areas. So one being spiritual, I mean, for us, that is number one for us. Yes. Right. Um, that spiritual relationship. Um, you know, it for us are it's God first, right? Developing that, then the family column, right? Our marriage, our relationship. You know, when we have kids, that'll come into play there, right? Um, then the business development column, how, how to be the best business leaders that we possibly can to our team, right? Right. Um, so to simplify it a little bit, you might have a, a spiritual side. Right. You might have a business career mm -hmm. project, per se. Uh, you might have a marriage Peace. You might have a parent. Exactly. Peace. Um, I think a health piece is big, at least in our lives. Piece. I know for you, Andy, you have a health piece as well. Right. It's and very so, important. So we, we sat here in just 30 seconds and we've rattled off like six or seven and we could probably sit here another two or three minutes and right. here's right. another piece and here's another piece. And it's like you start looking at it and you start becoming overwhelming, you know, overwhelmed. It's like, oh my gosh, look at all these areas but if you can and I know I know this is uh, and this sort of will get into the next segment it's a little bit easier for men because we're built to be able to compartmentalize a lot easier than for women but in, in essence that's what program management does is start chopping life into smaller pieces and you may not look at there may be some pieces you don't look at every day but you still have a plan for it. You still have goals in it. You're still going to work towards those. But there may be some that you're working on every day or every hour mm -hmm. of your life and some that you might only touch once a week or only once a month. And that's okay. As long as you're paying attention and scanning, I call it, scanning across all those uh, 
project teams, if you will, of your life right. to get you to where you want to be. Yeah, and I think, Andy, you kind of asked for that female perspective today. And I think in that sense, the, the, the male is very good at seeing the overarching big picture everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where females have been able to thrive so well um, as business professionals is we take that big picture and we're, we're able to organize and structure really well. Cause that's what we're really good at. At least most females that I know, I know I personally, well, I would add, I would add a piece to that. Uh, women are very good multitaskers, yeah, multitasking as well. Right. For sure. So yep. you, you can take that structure and for a male, yeah, we can do that big picture and then we can take one piece of it and go at a time at yeah. a time. <laughs> one time, one thing at a time and go deep diving into that particular project item and go, bonkers and working in that while everything else waits by the wait side. Right. Whereas women are very good at multitasking can mm-hmm. as fires sort of come up. If, you, if you're looking at the whole complex problem and a fire comes up in an area, other area, you can very easily switch and go take care of that fire. Whereas the, the guy's going, what do I no, do? wait a minute, wait a minute. I still got, I got this train of thought. I need to finish this thing and then I'll get to it. Right. And we yeah, might get to it in an hour. Whereas the time. in yeah. an hour, the, the, the woman's already got it done. It's like, no, I took care of that. No yeah. problem. Easy. What, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, Andy, we, we have we, these exact <laughs> discussions all the time. Yeah. Right. We've been working from home and it's like, I'm able to clean, check our admin <laughs> Tell Zach the couple people he needs to contact, exactly. contact some people myself. I'm like, I've got five things going at once. Mm-hmm. And he's like, honey, I can do one thing right now. <laughs> well, my, my favorite example of it is the husband and wife are driving uh, in a car down the highway. There's a moment of silence. The husband's driving and, and then and the wife looks over and says, what you thinking? And the husband looks over and goes, Nothing. And so, so in a woman's mind, you constantly have thoughts and feelings oh, yeah. and stuff going through the head. Whereas for men, we have an ability to just, okay, I'm in the car, I'm driving. I have one task is to keep the car between the two lines to get us, keep us going in the right direction to get to where we want to mm-hmm. be. And that, and that's where I'm focused. That's my one task. And that's where I'm focused. And I'm not thinking about anything else. And so the, the, the the husband thinks the wife's crazy and the wife thinks the husband's crazy because yeah. we're built differently. Mm-hmm. Right. But the reality is that's the way, the way it is. And so because we're built differently, uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic is, uh, mission direction are all core masculine traits. In some respects, women judge a man based off of that. Does he have direction in his life? Mm-hmm. Is he going somewhere? Oh, absolutely. It, uh, he's more attractive to me as a possible mate or a partner or even a friend. If he's got some kind of sense of direction and movement, you know, he's in the speedboat, knows where he's going, and I can sort of hit, hitch my, my, my caboose or my, my train car to this mm-hmm. guy's life. Yeah. Is what's attractive. <laughs> when you translate in, that into the business world to make that happen, a woman has to get out of her feminine energy and into her masculine energy. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's not uh, for a woman. And sometimes they can get themselves in, but then the workday ends and they can't get themselves right. out. They come home with masculine energy with their husband. The husband's going, what? 
Yeah. Who is this? Who is this? You know, where's the nice, soft, round, you know, warm feeling wife, woman that's living in her femininity? I I don't see her yet. Where are you? Right. You know, Uh, uh, one of my marriages, uh, I used to be in my masculine, 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 and I come home and my wife wanted to emotionally connect with me, wanted me to bring out that side of me. So she would throw a, a glass of wine in my hand and let me, <laughs> you know, drink it for a few minutes to sort of get me to, you know, get out of my pure masculine mind of leading all day at the job and get more relational right. with her and be able to talk to her about my day and get connected between the two of us. So I'm not I'm not here trying to say everything's difficult on the on the woman's side. Mm-hmm. I just know that it comes from a different spot because of the way we're built differently. Absolutely. I was just curious about your opinion since I'm not Mm -hmm. a woman. Yeah. And I'll put my personal perspective in there because I, exactly to this point, I, I have a very easy ability to turn my masculinity, if you will, on. Um, just because as I've told you about my background before, I've always been someone who's motivated and determined to become somebody no matter what facet of my life it is. So, you know, I, I have that ability, but I also struggle with sometimes turning that off like you were talking about and becoming that wife and what sound this may sound weird but i think what gets me to switch gears is like cooking dinner and just like because for me taking care of zach is like a big thing for me i'm that's my my love language is acts of kindness and so i well it's nurturing that's a very feminine trait is nurturing right so i turn i i think, okay, my task right now needs to be, instead of working on business, needs to be taking care of Zach. Yeah. So I start, you know, cooking dinner, ask him if he needs something to drink. Like I turn that female on because yeah. I I like that side of me. And that's, uh, like I said, that's my love language. So that's where I can, I feel like I provide the most, you know, value to him is by showing him that and expressing him that to express, expressing to him that and being able to just nurture love and take care of him in that facet. So do you think in a couple sentences you could talk about from a, um, a woman's perspective, what does self-leadership mean to you being it's not a, you know, direction and, and, and so forth is more of a masculine trait. Uh, does it scare you? Do you find it easy for self-leadership for yourself? What do you think from a, a generic female perspective? Is that, something that women find difficult or scary or whatever to do. I'm just curious. I think in today's society, it's easier. I think in prior societies, mm-hmm. like before my generation, of course, Yeah. Um, I think it was a lot more difficult because it was, it was almost frowned upon. Like the right. wife was supposed to be stay at home and take care of the kids. And that was it. They weren't supposed to be business professionals. They weren't supposed to do that. But I think women are so, inherently strong natured that society accepting that has allowed them to become or make a presence in the business world. And I think the, 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 you know, the pros of that are women are very organized. Women are very, you know, they, a lot of times their emotions can work in a good way and can relate to a lot of people, you know, cause I know on our end with business, I, we have a lot of females in 
on our team. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to help pour into them and I'm able to help lead them in a way that I can touch them instead of, you know, big deep voice Zach over here. <laughs> you know, he's has he does an amazing job leading all of our team, but I think sometimes there's certain moments that call for that, you know, women's perspective, that women's touch. And sometimes in the business world, that little bit softer approach can be extremely effective. Yes. Um, along with the highly organized and structured beings that we are. Yeah. So we're going to uh, wrap up this episode on uh, self-leadership. So um, a common thing that we're going to start doing in our episodes when we have a recurring guest or a guest on is to finish up an episode to ask them one question. And it's a question that Zach and I answered in our first episode, and that is, Megan, Mm -hmm. what do the words generate your value mean to you? I'd say generate your value means to me, um, how are you touching people's lives in a way that you're like, you're doing it on purpose. You know, it's not just by accident, but how are you intentionally creating some sort of value in someone's life? So whether it's to, you know, somebody dropped their purse and all their stuff fell out and you bend down and pick it up. You generated value in that person's life just by helping them or to the biggest extent of, you know, training them to become successful people, you know, but are you intentionally digging into, you know, creating value in every sense? Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're we're going to we're going to we're going to get different answers. There is no right or wrong answer. It's a very personal thing for people and um we sort of hope to give a, a wide spectrum of ideas and thoughts on those words uh, to our listening audience. So with that we're going to uh wrap up today's episode. Uh the next episode we're going to delve into the subject of creativity. We talked a little bit about that in today's episode in terms of the best way to predict the future is to create it. Okay. Uh, human beings by nature, by our DNA, are creative creatures. But some of us are very scared about that. So let's... Uh, how do we find it? Yeah, how do we find it <laughs> and mm-hmm. so forth. We're going to dive into that for the next episode. So Zach and I greatly appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, glad that you're here to, to follow us uh, on our journey to explore the words, generate your value, much like Megan just did, uh, and see how we can create lives that do this in the world. So that we say, have a great day, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for spending your time with us. Talk to you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the generate your value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online at Primerica.com slash Brian with a Y, Z Levy, the Facebook and LinkedIn platforms. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on the LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram platforms. Simply search for Generate Your Value. 
Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value in this world.